Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Episode 88, I believe. Um, I have lost count. This is the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be, basically? In a world where you can be anything, I'd be a guinea pig. There's a merch t-shirt. <laughs> you better merch. In a world where you can be anything, I'd be a guinea pig. I dream one day of... Um, I don't like the word owning... Because, uh, you know, if I say I, I want to own guinea pigs, there's a uh, possible, you know, as if they're there against their will, like they're uh, guinea pig slaves. But my, my dream one day is to uh, to return to the countryside uh, where I once was. Uh, a, a lovely cottage would be would be the dream. Basically, I want detached house in the middle of nowhere, no neighbours. If I was going to push the boat out and say it is the you know the lottery win dream home, it would be near uh, some kind of water, whether that be a loch or the uh, the actual fucking sea. I didn't care, but uh, basically uh, isolation is what I crave. You know, I think COVID has maybe realigned a lot of people's thinkings. Possibly um, some people may have thought when we were body in COVID, uh, desperate to return to some kind of normal life, although what is normal these days, that, that there may have been the thoughts of, you know, I'm going to go back into the city. Once this is over, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know, be out more or I'm going to do, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to mix, socialise, that's the word, Gibble. Why the fuck could we not think of the word socialise? I'm going to socialise more. I'm going to be around people more. And and the reality of it is that being being almost detached from our old lives or our old kind of way of living 
it's probably realigned our thinking to, to realise that we don't need large social groups. You know, you need two or three close friends. It's probably better to build and, and strengthen a, a small number of relationships rather than to have vast number of acquaintances. We don't need to be wasting what little money we have left doing silly things every weekend because we are stressed from a job or, you know, battling mental health or depressed when we want to maybe refocus what we do and where we are and what we see our lives being. Also understanding that things take time, you know? I think maybe before we were, and I was certainly would fall into the trap of if things weren't happening quickly or what I perceived as being quickly, in some way it was a failure or in some way it was something to be concerned with. You know, think life, life is short, but things take time. Yeah, you know? And if it takes three, four, five years to get to a place where you want to be, so fucking be it. It takes three, four, five years, man, who cares? But I want to be out. I want peace and quiet, tranquility. I want escapism. I don't want anyone anyone near me. I want my own slice of heaven. You know? And on that beautiful little cottage, I'll have the, the chickens, I'll have the ducks, and I'll have guinea pigs, man. I fucking love guinea pigs. I don't know when this love began. I've never owned a guinea pig. You know? I've held one. Of course I have. I've been to pets at home. I've looked at their happy wee faces through those best best glass and thought one day I'll break these all out of here. Of course I've done that. You know? Their tiny wee hands and feet. Hello. Watching them eat a carrot. Of course I have. We've all been there. I'll have some kind of shed or a guinea pig castle uh, at the bottom of the garden. Uh, or near the house, depends, on, you know, again, depends on what the cottage is like, the land is like. But uh, aye, I want to have a wee house in the arsehole of nowhere. And uh, a fucking, a man cave with about 40 guinea pigs in it. And I'll just go in there, I'll hang out, me and the tour manager, I'll hang out with the guinea pigs, you know, talk to them, watch them, just let them be guinea pigs. And uh, might even record podcasts in there. That would certainly add a different flavour to the uh, to the show if I'm sitting recording uh, inside a, a guinea pig uh, fucking harem. 40 of them. Just buzzing about, being guinea pigs, loving life. One day we'll get it. It's good to have dreams. You know, it's good to have dreams. Odd start to the show, but hey, when is it not an odd start to this fucking podcast? Let's be honest. Hope you are safe and well. I hope uh, either that you haven't uh, perished from COVID or been washed away by the weather. Uh, as we sit and record this, Greece is in fire, Turkey's in fire, some fucking nutter sending bullets to the Pope, and uh, the anti-vaxxers are storming the BBC in London. It's all kicking off. I mean, would it would it be a would it be a, a normal day in the current uh, existence of humanity if all sorts of shit wasn't happening? Not like I said. Not only have we got people sending fucking bullets to the Pope, we've got Greta Thunberg. Going uh, apparently featured in Vogue magazine, discussing the impact that the fashion industry has on, um, has on climate change and the climate crisis. What is the fucking point? What is the point, man? Can can they, can you not see that it's becoming a? This is just becoming another PR stunt. That this this. This young girl, I just feel as if she's been fully manipulated by whoever they are. This is someone who very quickly has become the face and almost to an extent one of the major voices of the current climate crisis. Now, is it deliberate that she's there? I don't know. But some of the stuff that's been happening recently is beyond pointless. Things like fast fashion, and if you, you'll have heard terms less in the news, you may have seen recently that um, a shop had opened up in London because this is where these things are, are born and created. Um, and it is a, how would you describe it? It's a, it's a charity shop, effectively, but for high-end fashion. 
So if you have, oh, can I don't know, fashion hoosies, uh, Louis Vuitton or Vivienne Westwood or fucking, what's the the other one? Uh, Versace or uh, fucking, you know, the handbag one. Anyway, if you've got fucking fashion clothes, right, and you don't want to do the usual stick them into fucking Bernardo's or your local cancer charity shop, in the hope that some poor student comes and goes, oh my god, that's an actual Versace jacket for fucking six pound, I can't believe it. The, the shop has popped up where people can take their fashion garments and uh, effectively swap them. So depending on the value and the 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 quality that the the item is will be dependent on how many tokens you get to spend in the shop. So, say for example, you take in, I don't know, a, a pair of shoes that's worth fucking two grand, right? And they're in quality, Nick, you might get five tokens. So you can then go and use those tokens to get new clothes that are in the shop. And instead of being priced, they will be, uh, obviously have a value regarding, in relation to tokens, right? Does that make sense? So a jacket might be one token and a handbag might be 50 tokens. I don't fucking know because... I don't care about fashion, right? But the 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 terms of fast fashion that you will have heard and use is things like H and M, uh, Primark or Primark or Prada Mark, however you say it. These kind of shops, Top Shop when that was open, Top Man, all that stuff. Low end, low quality, low cost fashion. So stuff that is bought worn a few times, turned over. And I suppose in an extent, the concept of fast fashion can exist on, on both ends. It can exist on the you know working class level and in the upper classes because they will buy fashion at a far higher cost, arguably more frequently as they work through the fashion seasons, I believe they're called. But for example, when you have a group of guys, group of women, who will go and buy an outfit for the weekend, or who will go and spend two, three hundred quid on clothes for holiday to never be worn again, to be fucked in a bin, or, you know, ten pound on a t-shirt that's going to get worn twice and then fucked in a bin. This, this kind of fashion, this fast fashion, and the impact that that has on climate, because these garments have to be made, they have to be distributed, that process is a big impacting factor. And I think as we start to discuss this climate crisis more and people are, are seeing things more because the average person in the street, the way to impact people to understand climate change is, as I have said before, extreme violence. If you have Greta Thunberg going up and addressing a climate activist group, a vast majority of people will switch off and listen, fair enough. I'm not going to sit and judge people who, you know, who, who turned off from her. Maybe no slagger. She's a young lassie. She's, you know, she's in her mind. I think she's doing her bit. But listen, I completely understand how people can turn off from it. I completely understand how a lot of people turn off from all this stuff that's happening with climate change. You're going to knock in your fucking pan in in a job you can't stand. And now you're going to have to knock your pan in even harder, potentially pick up a second job because your fucking gas and electricity bill is about to go through the roof. Next year, I imagine your council tax and your fucking um, national insurance will probably go through the roof because the Tories need to claim back a couple of hundred billion that they spent on furlough. So I can imagine how, at the end of the day, rinsing out your fucking empty tins or separating your recycling is probably the last thing on your mind. I can understand how people completely switch off from it. Because like anything else, all of this somehow is our fault. None of this is pushed back to industry. None of this is pushed back to government. Somehow, it's your fault this has happened. You fuckers ordering a Jack Daniels and Coke and drinking it through a plastic straw has killed all the fucking turtles. You lot going into Primark and buying a dress for £15 to wear on a night out that you've saved up for for a couple of weeks managed to get a babysitter so you and the girls can go out and have a night to yourselves. It's maybe the only chance you've had to date in three months but somehow, it's your fault that the world is on fire. But none of this is pushed back to 
the levels where it should be. I was listening to a thing today, and again, I don't know why I listen to LBC. I really don't. It angers me. The young man on, and again, this is all coming from this climate crisis document that's been it's been published um, tens of hundreds of pages long. Apparently, it's got a sixty page summary on it. And one of the things that's came from this is the idea that we have to start looking more closely at our carbon footprint as individuals. I mean, my, my question for it is, can, will someone just come out and be honest and say, we are past the point of no return? I mentioned this briefly in the last episode. I think that the scientists just need to be honest and say, look, we're fucked. Right? The planet is done. So here it is. Either you start making changes to be a bit more fucking carbon neutral at an individual basis. And then when eventually the fucking fires and the floods come, you can cross over to the pearly gates knowing that you did the moral thing. Or you know what? Stick a fucking pin in it, start smoking cigars, punch a dolphin in the face and let's go out with a bang. Because I don't think anything's going to get any better. So on this discussion that I heard today in the radio, it was talking about individuals looking at their carbon footprint. And again, of course, there is apps and businesses that you can consult and they will give you an individual plan on what your carbon print is. I imagine it costs hundreds of pounds because even in a crisis to the level of the fucking planet dying, big business still has to make money. Of course they fucking do. And you will get a print out as to what your carbon footprint looks like, whether that be you commute to work or whether it be you work from home or, you know, down to the level of do you have a a gas uh, boiler? Do you have solar panel in your your house? Do you eat red meat? Do Right down to that level, where do you buy your food? And food was a big contributing factor to it. Food mileage, uh, sourcing food was a huge part of this guy's carbon footprint and this is the thing that he decided that he was going to make the change on one of the things that came up on it was he eats a lot of fish right oddly enough and the thing that came back in the carbon footprint is he started to look at where he sources his fish from so not buying it in a supermarket buying it from a fishmonger but buying fish that is sea fish as in stuff that has came from a trawler fish that has been fished from the oceans rather than farmed fishing and it it drilled down to this level to a point where it said if you bought a salmon that is a farmed salmon in Scotland the carbon footprint from that fish is three times the amount as if you had bought a sea salmon does that make sense? there's a lot of words that sound the same so if you buy a salmon from uh, farmed salmon, farmed fisheries, the carbon footprint is three times as much as if you had bought a salmon that was caught in the Atlantic Ocean or wherever salmon live, right? So that this is the level in which he is drilling down. Now, can you do that? Possibly the answer is yes. Are you going to do it? Am I fuck? Am I fuck? No, I'm not. You might, but I won't be. I ain't got time for that. The fucking planet's in fire, man. I'm not going to sit and go, uh, is this salmon caught in a farm? Or was it fucking chased in and shot off the coast of Costa Rica? What are, they, what are they expecting you to do, man? What are people expecting you to do? Uh, excuse me, can you tell me if these green beans were grown in Persia? Are you asking if green beans were grown in Perth during a, a wet and windy August? Yes, I am, young man. Were they grown in Perth? No, they were, they're from Peru. Well, in that case, you can stick them up your ass. There's an app. Of course there is. There's an app for everything. In fact, let me see if I can find the app. Because I'm sure I downloaded my phone. It's called Too Good To Go. Alright? Now, um, I think every major city has it. So you can download this app. The missus told me about it. Um, basically, local businesses... But large businesses, she'll have some supermarkets, Greg's is on it, uh, Marks and Spencer's, excuse me, that kind of thing, right? 
And what happens is you, you buy these things called, I believe they're called magic bags. And they're usually about £4, £3, £4, £5. No more than a fiver, genuinely. And it'll be anything from, like I said, a small local business. For example, we have a bakery around the corner from us called 12 Triangles. They are on it. Right up till big businesses like Marks and Spencers, Greggs, that kind of thing. And what happens is at the end of the day, now each different business or place will have a collection time on it. So what you would do is you would go into the app, you would see who's offering magic bags, you reserve it at a cost, you then turn up at the agreed time, which is normally towards the end of closing. Uh, so if it's Greg's, it might be like half past four. If it's a Marks and Spencer's, it might be nine o'clock at night, something like that. You pay the money, like I said, three, four, five pound, and you take a magic bag and your bag will contain items that are going out of date that day and the idea of it being that they don't want to waste the food i imagine it just goes to a landfill i don't imagine there's many other process in that other than it is just thrown in the bin so it's trying to cut down on food waste but then an argument on that as well, even though that's a great thing, listen, it's a great app, we've used it, we we found out about it, I used it once last week, went to Marks and Spencers, four quid, I got a fruit pot, a fucking sandwich, sausage rolls, and something else, a bag of salad, right, and we kind of laughed and joked, man, fuck me, fine, it's four quid, the salmon, the, the salmon, I'm just thinking about salmon, the sandwich itself was four pound, right, so you've made your money, it's not a dinner, what did you have for your dinner? I had half a prawn sandwich and three mini uh, fucking sausage rolls. It's not a dinner, right? But it's a novelty thing. The idea of it's great. If you got a uh, a different business, you may get different things. I know someone, like I said, who used the bakery. They got a whole of the cakes and two loaves of bread, right? For three quid. A loaf of bread at Wally's place is like fucking 280, man. It's a great idea. But then do we look more at... Is there a, is there a way to reduce waste... Are a way a way to reduce food waste by reducing food cost. You know, is that a, 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 instead of finding interesting ways in order to, you know, sell off food that's going out of date? Do we look at reducing the cost of food at the fucking point of sale? So that some poor bastard who's now having to pay an extra 140, 150, 200 pound a year on his gas and electricity can actually still feed their family because food cost is coming down. I don't know. But when I see things like Turnberg going into the uh, going into Vogue magazine and having a feature in Vogue magazine discussing how the fashion industry is impacting on the climate crisis and what they can do to change that, it is fucking pointless. I put out a tweet today saying it's the same as Ocean Rebellion going on an episode of Deadly Catch to shout at crab fishermen. It's the exact same thing. You're preaching to the choir. It's pointless. They will run the piece. They'll do some great fucking photo shoots. Everything you've done for the for the planet is absolutely fantastic. Now, coming up after this, we've got a fantastic new belt from Vivian Westwood and a bag from Louis Vuitton for £23,000 and the must-have for the spring-autumn collection. Nobody gives a fuck. Life goes on. Even, even things like the stuff that's come out of this climate report, they're talking that the sea levels are going to rise by two metres, which you might think, that's not a lot, man, that's, that's not even up to my eyebrows. That's a lot. The average temperature across the planet raised by 1.5 degrees. That's fucking nothing. That is a lot. That is a lot. Wildfires are going to become the norm. We've seen it before COVID. We had the horrific fires in Australia. We've had the fires in America. We're now getting them in Greece. We're now getting them in Turkey. The only difference is, it's getting fucking closer to home. And it's happening in places you might actually want to go on holiday. In the name of fuck. If the eyeless guy goes up in a blaze, Jesus Christ. Or we're underwater. Flash flooding. Mass flooding. Everywhere. What do we do? Well, you've got to recycle and wash your tins. Is it time for the scientific community... To just come forward and say, listen, we've been telling you cunts for fucking years. It's too late. It's too late, man. 
sell up, convert a van, and fucking head south, and just just drive away for the fires. That's all you can do. That's all, that's all you can do. How did we get? How did we go down this road? How did we go down this road? What have I got here to talk about? I want to talk about the Pope. You know, I want to talk about the anti-vaxxers. And here we are going off and one about fucking climate change, but I didn't even, I didn't even want to talk about this. We've also got a question about mental health for fucking Kenny Bebop that we need to discuss. God damn it. But hey, it's the Scott Gibson Show. I'm Scott Gibson. Thanks for listening, man. Right, let's look at this Pope Pope story. Let's let's look at the Pope story. Over to Pope Watch. <laughs> I I'm not a, a religious man. Uh, I am intrigued by the Catholic Church and Catholicism. I'm intrigued by it. I, I think it's a it's a it's a great cult to be in. Uh, you know they've got wee sayings, you know, uh, uh, blessed be the fruit under his eye, and to you, and to you, Spiritus Sancto, Spiritus They've got great, you know, they get Italian connection, the mafia connection, the connection to the island, to the motherland. It's a great, you know, there's a lot of history, uh, kind of conspiracy, some good movies, you know, all right, fucking kiddly piddly, but yeah, listen, you know, every major corporation has had its ups and downs. I I enjoy it. I think there should be a thing as Pope Watch. I've never been to a mass. Uh, I would. I hope that once they've done the mass, because I know it's very regimented. You know, the last ten minutes. Uh, I hope there is like a you know like a Pope Watch. I hope that the uh, the priest comes out, or the vicar, or the cardinal, whatever one it is, and I hope he just goes right. Listen, everybody, uh, on today's Pope Watch, and he just you know gives you ten minutes updates to what the Pope's been doing. You know. I, I hope that, uh, listen, if there's any Catholics listening, let me know. Is that what happens in Mass? Do you get a wee update the Pope? <laughs> a wee Pope date? <laughs> a wee pop-up for the Pope? A Pope-up? <laughs> let me know. And if you don't, uh, suggest it. You know, is, is there a suggestion box in a a, 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 a a cathedral? A church? A chapel? A chapelle? Is there a suggestion box in a chapel uh, if there's not, suggest it, and then put in, you know, pop in the suggestion box, uh, weekly pop updates after mass. Can't be a bad thing, you know. You could even get one of the young priests to do it, build his confidence, public speaking, come out, you know, and he's like, right, listen, the pope this week was uh, in Geneva. Uh, he read up, you know, you could even update what, what the pope's been doing. What kind of music does he like? What books is he into? What he had for his dinner? You're telling me as a young Catholic. Sitting there, you wouldn't like to know what the Pope had for his dinner last week. I'd love to know that. Anyway, here we go. Italian police are investigating a disturbing death threat addressed to Pope Francis. That fucking bastards, man. Have they not seen the film Two Popes? This is a good Pope. Get half his back. Law enforcement in Milan have confirmed an envelope containing three bullets. Why three? Uh, was sent to the Vatican. Suspicious package was intercepted. Good. By staff. Surely, uh... God sent somebody to intercept it. No? Uh, at a mail sorting facility before it reached the Pope, uh, it had been sent from France to fucking French, according to police. A handwritten address on the envelope read, The Pope, Vatican City, St. Peter's Square, Rome. Now, first of all, it's not got a postcode. Second of all, am I led to believe that if I write a letter and just put on the... F- Stop hitting the mic, Stan Scott, and just put on the front of that, The Pope... Vatican City, Rome, it's going to fucking make its way to the Pope. Come on, to fuck, man. I mean, surely you need a postcode in there. According to Italian police, uh, the three bullets are presumed to be for a pistol, and the envelope also contained a message alluding to financial operations at the Vatican. Oh, 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 here we go. Representatives of the Holy See are yet to comment and an investigation is ongoing. Development comes after a difficult period for the charismatic 84-year-old church leader. He is a charismatic man, I'll say that. In July, spent 10 days in hospital having half of his colon removed. In the name of God. He's been taking time off from some official duties. I would hope so after undergoing his first major medical treatment since becoming Pope in 2013. 
On July 27th, a trial got underway in which 10 people, including a senior cardinal, have been indicted over allegations of mishandling of Vatican funds. The multi-million euro scandal revolves around the purchasing of a luxury property in London. According to Reuters International News Outlet, an an indictment revealed as part of the process showed Pope Francis gave his personal approval for the trial against senior figures to commence. Come on, Pope Franny, boy! You can't fuck with Franco, man, I'm telling you. Out of all the popes, he's the fucking best one. 84-year-old, half his arse ripped out, and he's like, fucking signs he'll delivered, take the bastards down. You're telling me they've stole money out of my fucking hist to buy some rent boy knocking shop in London? I don't fucking think so. Again, uh, you know, intriguing headline. Somebody said in bullets to the Pope, you know, you read it in the hope that you're going to get some news, but because it's 2021 and real journalism doesn't exist anymore, what a fucking shite news story. It doesn't go anywhere. So somebody sent bullets to the Pope. It's been intercepted. Pope said half his arse taken out. And uh, there's a there's a case going on for funds missing. I imagine the Pope gets sent all sorts of shit in the post every day. And listen, if it is easy as writing on an envelope, the Pope, fucking, the Pope's house, Pope Square, Rome, and the envelope's going to get to him, I think we should all start sending stuff to the Pope. <laughs> and In a world that is becoming far too reliant on digital experience where we we say that we crave interaction you know human touch but we too easily fall back on social media our phones how many people do you know have had very open flowing funny heartfelt conversations with you through an app through a messaging service, and then when you meet them in real life, they fucking clamp up as if they're a stranger. You're like, what the fuck's wrong with you, mate? Maybe we need to get back to the old school. Binary. Pen and paper. You know? Maybe we all need to start... Maybe we need the Pope as a pen pal. Maybe that's what we need. The Pope is here to save us. Maybe we all need to start writing letters to the Pope. Doesn't need to be about Pope stuff. Doesn't need to be religious. Just write a wee letter. Write, write the Pope a letter. If you're listening to this, I urge you, write the Pope a letter. Tell him what you've been up to. Tell him how you feel about COVID. You know? <laughs> just fucking, just write a wee letter. Telling him what's been going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. If you're not Catholic, just say that. Just say, hey, right off the top with a bat, Franco, I'm not a Catholic. But I love what you've done with the pedos and fair fucks to you for getting the stuff done to your colon. And then just tell him what's happening in your life. And send him a wee letter. You never know, he may get a reply. You know? And if no, you can be like, hey, it feels good to just get back to writing letters again. <laughs> so the, the address you're looking for is the Pope. Now make sure you put the Pope. Right? In case in case there's somebody called Pope who lives in the Vatican City. It may confuse him. So the Pope, Vatican City, St. Peter's Square, Rome. And see how you got on. And listen, if you get a response, fucking great. Get in touch and let me know. But that's that, it's not often we get homework on this podcast, but that is everyone's homework. So over the course of this week, maybe at the weekend, on a Sunday, let's say a Sunday, on God's Day, before you tuck into your Sunday roast, sit down for half an hour, a pen and paper, old school, and write the Pope a letter. And tell him how you've been getting on. <laughs> I would love it. Love it. If we somehow got on the news with the Pope being bombarded by mail from from random addresses in Scotland. None of it none of it threatening, none of it horrible. I mean don't be horrible with the Pope for God's sake. Just fucking tell them stories of how you how you're getting on. To do it, if you only do one thing, write the Pope a letter. You'll feel you'll feel better for it, man. I'm telling you, you'll feel better. Remember, the Pope, the Pope, Vatican City, St Peter's Square, Rome. Stick a postcard in it, you know. 
Kit Kat, fucking, I don't know. Recipe for your granny's cranikin. Yeah, a wee pressed flower. A fucking shiny Celtic badge for your panini sticker album. I don't know. But write the pop letter. You'll feel good. And then, you're edging your bets as well, because if there is a heaven... You know, and you go up to the pearly white gates, and fucking St. Peter's like, oh, yeah, f- oh, no, no, not not today. You're like, you're mate, seen fucking 2021. I wrote the Pope a letter, man. I did, honest to God. I even remember his address, the Pope, Vatican City, St. Peter's Square, Rome. Honest to God, mate, I sent him a fucking, uh, a signed uh, Shunki Nakamura t shirt. Nakamura, uh, ate my dog, ate my dog. I sent him that, mate. Honest to God. I wouldn't like you, man. Write <laughs> the Pope a letter, that's your homework. Right, let's look at a wee question that I got from one of the Patreons, one of the rascals on Patreon. I really wish pa- Patreon, pa- Patreon would just change his name to Patreon. <laughs> it's uh, a Mexican, uh, f- is it French? Patreon. Patreon. Would, that be, would you say that's a French accent or a Mexicano? Is uh, it the pa- Patreon? I don't know. Anyway. Um, legend uh, Rascal Kenny Bridges uh, sent a question to the uh, Patreon page uh, you too can be part of the Rascal family on Patreon uh, extra content extra episodes comedy albums whole of the good stuff head to bigscottgibson.com follow the links on there or go to patreon.com uh, forward slash bigscottgibson p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash bigscottgibson sign up man Get involved. Join the Rascals. You get uh, weekly episodes on their early, early, early release. Easy for you to say of this podcast. And, uh, you know, hey, as time goes on, man, stuff will build. Um, but it's the uh, it's the best way to support the show and support me. So go and do it. I mean, five bucks, five dollars, not even five pound. Five dollars to sign up to be part of the uh, Rascal family and... On the current exchange rate, I mean, $5 is about 16 pence, you know? So, ha! <laughs> hey, go and do it. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Anyway, Kenny has asked, um, Kenny's asked a question. I was going to actually ask this for the uh, Sunday service, the Patreon podcast episode just gone, but I, I wanted to save this for uh, today to talk about because I think it's going to take a little bit more time to discuss a bit more in depth, um, you know. And uh, it's a serious one. It's mental health. I mean, not that we ever give trigger warnings on this podcast, but <coughs> excuse me. Questions as follows: um, Kenny Bridges and Kenny, thank you very much, mate, for saying this. Kenny says, "Mental health, full stop." I like you have struggled with mental health, and I hope Kenny doesn't mind me reading this out. I like you have struggled with mental health over the years due to alcoholism, which I'm now in control of. Well done, mate. Congratulations on that. Uh, through attending meetings and generally trying to be happy with myself and what I have. Recently, I've started down-dosing my antidepressants to come off them, and it got me thinking, do doctors see this medication as an easy fix for people rather than trying to get them the help they need, whether it be speaking to the right people to get to the root of the problems? Do we live in a medicated society now? Um, Kenny, again, mate, thanks for the question, man. Um... First of all, mate, congratulations and, and well done on getting yourself help. Um, it's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do and it's it's odd because I, I have, uh, you know, suffered with mental health issues. Sorry, I'm fixing a bit of paper here. <clears throat> I've, I've, I've struggled with my mental health for a good couple of years now. Um, in fact, a lot, a lot longer than that in my life. It, it took me a very long time to realise that the things that I was feeling and the the thoughts that I had were due to depression and anxiety. I never knew what. I mean, I'm going to say I never knew what depression was. I didn't. I knew what it was in the sense of I heard of you know people who suffered from depression, but because we don't really we don't really talk about it enough. We don't. Um, we don't. We don't really know what it is. 
Like, we, we don't understand, for example, anxiety. I, I never knew I had anxiety until probably the third time that I went to visit the my GP or my doctor and we started to talk a bit more about how I was feeling and what I was going through in a way to find uh, or try and get me on some kind of path to help with my, my depression. And that's when we realised that one of the other things that I was discussing or the way in which I was describing it was that I was also suffering from anxiety as well as uh, issues with depression at the time. I have, I would say I, I am without question still dealing with it. I have extreme peaks and troughs with my mental health. But now that I am a fair number of years down the line of at least being maybe not necessarily diagnosed, but at least understanding what the feelings I have are. So understanding that I am having, a, you know, an anxiety, maybe not necessarily an attack, but I am having moments of anxiety or I am having a bad day mentally, as in my depression's flared up. Because I can recognise that, I I almost, it's almost a comfort in the sense that I know I know what's happening and it's a comfort in the sense of because I know I've had these feelings before I now identify what they are and because I know I have had them in the past and came through it I know I will come through it again now the the next step for me is getting to a point where these troughs if you like become far less and that's maybe the next stage that I'm at with my mental health there's a whole lot of points that kind of that will pick up, man, and I'm I'm just kind of continuing on this chain of thought now. But the um, describing my my depression or my moods or my mental health as peaks and troughs, ideally you just want to get to a a flat plane. You know, I mean, nobody, no one, will ever live a life without some kind of varying in that line, whether it be a day where you're up or days where you're down. But the extreme curvature of that all of us have to try and get it so that it's as smooth as possible and right now I have days where I am you know very high and I'm, I'm uh, I am you know ge geared towards work and I am I am creative and all the parts of my brain that I I like or all the parts of the brain that I'm you know confident with are firing and I've got all these ideas and then there's days when you are completely you know, rock bottom, you know, and it's odd because there'll be times when you drop and you think, God, this is as lowest I've ever been, and then when you drop again, the next time you go even lower and then you start to panic about that, so it, it's understanding what's happening in your mind, understanding that, you know, and, and almost, it's an odd thing because some people, <clears throat> some people don't want to admit that they are depressed or that they they suffer from depression but I, I found a, an odd comfort in the fact that I could describe what I was feeling or, or how I was feeling to a doctor and they were able to say to me you know you have anxiety or you are depressed I, I kind of found a comfort in that because I thought someone's able to at least acknowledge that what I'm feeling is real you know because you will I mean I found it when because I was able to get up, you know, and, and on the days when I had to go and gig, I, I could still go and gig, I could still go and work, I could still go and perform. And I always think to myself, well, I can't be depressed. You know, I can't I can't be suicidal if I'm if I'm still able to do all these things. And it's completely it's completely false. You know, there's a there's a part of you that just kicks in, you know, survival mode. Obviously, looking back now, I I know that I was still able to go and perform because that was my escape from the situation that was making me ill. You know, so if everyone is completely different, and and it's it's just about trying to get to that point where you're able to get the help that you need. There's there's still I think there's still a lot of work to be done to remove the the stigma. A mental health, a lot more people talk about it now, um, which is a good thing. And I, and I think personally, and I, again, I'm, 
you know, I'm open to debating these things and as, as everything I could be completely wrong. I think it's also a negative thing as well because I think a lot more people, as languages start to be thrown around, a lot more people will use the term depressed when they have no idea what depression is. You know, it used to be you were feeling a bit sad or you are feeling a bit low or a bit blue, whereas now everybody will throw the line out going, oh, I'm just feeling really depressed today. And you're like, you, you, suffering from depression or any other form of mental health is horrendous. Now, arguably there are levels within that. Of course there are, like anything else. But more has to be done, possibly I would think on an educational side, so that people can identify these symptoms or these signs before it gets to a point. Dealing with things in the brain or, or things in the mind, it's, it's so complicated and it's so difficult because it literally will vary person to person. It's not like COVID, you know, where someone can say, right, you'll lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste or you'll have flu-like symptoms or you'll have headaches. There's no way you can say that. There's no really a, a checklist. There could be a list of 20, 30 different things for you to look out for. And it could be if you have a couple of those things, you might be some suffering from some kind of depression. It's, it's hard, you know, but I think that education piece needs to be there because, as I said, for me, it was such a huge relief when I could... And I'll just tell you, when I went to speak to the doctor, she asked me to, to tell her what I was feeling or what I was thinking, and I couldn't, I couldn't get the words out. And I was using things like colours, I was describing colours to her, and I was just talking a lot of shit. And I kept saying, I went, I'm so sorry, I just feel like I'm talking a lot of shit. And she's like, just just keep going, just tell me how you feel. And I was telling her how, how it felt in my head, and I was talking about the dreams that I was having, and how I was feeling, and I was talking about how it manifests in my, in my body, and... And then obviously I was talking about colours and saying sometimes I feel like this. And it felt very strange. But whatever I was saying, she was able in that situation to then say to me, what you're describing is this, this and this. And it was a, it was a huge relief. It really was. It was a huge relief. But, it, but the, the thing that still gets me is that I had to go to the depths that I went to before I got help that's what hurts me the most because I do think that if I had I've got the help that I needed at the time when I needed it which probably was three or four years before I finally went to a doctor my life could have been completely different but in a sense there's no, there's no point looking back and maybe that's where the education piece comes and it, and it shouldn't be such a such a worry now moving on to the medical side of it or treatment side <clears throat> this is where it gets even more complicated because we will take a if you go to the doctor and you've got a cold a flu a virus whatever you know you're in pain you take a tablet fine something has happened something has happened with men in particular I think, and I don't know. I don't know where it's came. I don't know if it's pop culture. I don't know if it's music. I don't know if it's film, TV. I don't know what it is. But there is something. There is something in our in our minds that is wary of taking medication for our moods, for our mental health. I don't. I don't know where it's came from, because even I, I've I've spoken about this in. in my stand-up shows as well, I, I genuinely was worried that if I took tablets for my mental health, it would stop me from being funny. That was a, a that was a genuine fear. That wasn't made up for stand-up or, you know, a joke. That was a genuine fear. I, I had an, an honest conversation with my doctor and I asked for her assurance, which, looking back now, is the most ridiculous fucking thing I could have done. For some reason, that was in my mind. Like, 100% real, I believed that if I took medication f to stop me from trying to kill myself, I would not become funny. Why did I have those thoughts? And it's not like this is a, you know, I maybe thought, oh, listen, just a wee quick question. I heard some, this was like, to my fucking soul, I believed that if I put this tablet in my mouth, any form of creativity, any form of uh, sense, everything would be completely removed overnight. A, a genuine fear. 
even to the point where when I took the first tablet, I was, I was shitting myself. <laughs> I remember when I when I took the I took my tablet for the first time, I then sat and watched Patrice O'Neill's elephant in the room for the hundredth time to see if I could still laugh. Not realizing that it takes fucking weeks for it to get into your system to make any difference. But I I, I generally was terrified, and uh, I don't know where that comes from. I, I really don't. I don't know where that that fear that people have comes from of taking medication to help your mental health. Now, the I, I have had a, 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 a mad journey, I suppose, with uh, medication <clears throat> for my mental health to the point now where I am I'm looking to go back down that route again uh, because I feel as if I need I need something again to help. I've done a lot of things in my own personal life to help my mental health, but I'm, I'm back at a point now where I, I need to be assisted with medication. And I've I've done all sertraline, citalopram, different types of medication do different things, and I suppose it's important to understand what they are. <clears throat> it's important to speak to your doctor about it. It's also important that if you are on medication and you feel like it's not working, it's important to go back and speak to your doctor because everyone is different. And when it comes to your mind or your brain, there's there's no way they can know. It's not like other medical conditions where a doctor can say right you've got this problem you take 40 milligrams of that you get this problem you take 200 milligrams of that you literally will have to flow and move with them as they as they try and figure out what's the right way they, they will start you off small it might not be enough they will then move you up if you need it you might move to a different medication there is something different for everyone <clears throat> are we becoming a medicated society as kenny says I don't know, Kenny. I, I don't know, mate. Um, sadly, everything comes down to, to money. I, I, every single decision in life is about money. I have... Uh, I had tried to, to, to be referred to a therapist before. Uh, the first time I was suicidal, uh, I had to do a, a quick Q&A &A, uh, with a, a GP Um to which at the end of it she said <laughs> she felt as though I wasn't in a position where I needed a therapist. Even though I am sitting there telling her I want to kill myself and asking to be referred to a therapist because I had a lot of things that I have to discuss. I still do have a lot of things I need to discuss with a therapist. Um, I was told no, and that comes down to cost. You know, that's not because I've answered a questionnaire wrong. That's down to cost. It's because there's, there's, there's that option at that time where I lived within that region, within that... Um, council area that there is not that resource there through the the national health service it's um it's difficult i would like to see more things done on the uh whether you call them i don't know if the correct term is alternative therapies rather than medication i think that when you get to the point of speaking to a gp about mental health i think medication is is a good thing because i think it can be a good starting point but I, I think there should be more done with, you know, therapy and therapists. I think that should be a common thing now. I think we are living in a world that is so fucked up and moving in a way that is so damaging for humanity and society. I think all of us should be seeing a therapist. I hope as life goes on, the this will be the next thing that becomes common. I would like to see in 10 years, you know, all of us have a therapist I would like that to, I'd, I'd love that to be a thing. Once a week, once a month, however often you need it. You know, if you are, if you feel that you're a balanced person, if you don't suffer from mental health issues, maybe you speak to a therapist once a month, it can't do you any harm. If, however, you are struggling with your mental health or you're medicated for it, then maybe you speak to a therapist once a week, twice a week. I, I would like to see that happen. I'd like to see more of that available on the NHS. I know this is now, this is not the time to be discussing things about the NHS because we've just come off the back of COVID and everything the NHS does is fucking glorious from God above and everybody who works for the NHS is an angel sent directly from God and they're the greatest people in the world and you can say nothing wrong about it. But it has to change. It has to change. It has to be more... It has to be more what people need. 
I, I've thought about this before. I would I would love for you to be given an an account, an allowance by the NHS. I'd I'd love us to to figure out what per head it costs us a year for the NHS, and I'd love them to say to us, listen, your allowance is twenty thousand pounds, and you can spend that however you like. If you want to go and see a GP, it's five hundred quid. If you want to go and see a mental health nurse, it's two hundred quid. And you can spend your allowance however you want. Now, when you spend that allowance, you know, and you need to go to a, a doctor again, then pay for it. Have have some kind of option. Have a have a connection with a private hospital. You know, I, I've never once had a discussion with my GP about alternative therapies for mental health, and they've never once suggested. Listen, if you contact Bupa or, or whoever. They'll be able to do it, but it's not something we offer in the NHS. At least give that option. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is, maybe that is where we're. Maybe this is going to be the thing that, that breaks the NHS. You know, maybe, maybe mental health will be the thing that pushes people more towards private healthcare or other forms of 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 health cover. I don't know. You know, but the, the, why are these not discussions that we can have? Mental health's a horrible thing, man. It's a horrible thing. And even though you don't suffer alone, you know, even though there are tens of millions of people across the world who suffer from it, hundreds of millions, you will feel entirely alone. And it's horrible. Even now, years down the line, like I said, I, I still have days where I um, I feel completely alone in life and in, in the world and it's horrible it's a horrible horrible feeling coming off your medication uh, as Kenny said or, or down your dose I, I would say obviously something you should discuss with your, with your GP if that's what you want to do um, I certainly maybe wouldn't make the decision myself um, to do that I like I said I have I have done the stupid thing in the past of getting to a point where I felt very much in control of my own mental health and was, was as I thought, very stable and doing well in a good place. And then I came off my, my medication, uh, obviously without realising that it was the medication that was helping me stay in that level. And then I crashed, you know, very hard and very fast. And then did that two or three other times, but it, it took it took those occasions of extreme falls for me to realise that the medication is working. Now, there's a couple of times when... I've been on different medication in the past and I've not enjoyed it. It's made me feel very numb. There are different side effects of different types of medication. And again, I would stress you to look at that. One of them, I can't remember if it was citalopram or sertraline, but it made me very tired. So I just slept a lot. Um, weight gain is an issue with it as well, especially one that I was on. It was a very high dosage. Um, oddly, I found when I was on um, citalopram, I, and this will sound weird, but it's something that I noticed, I didn't. I didn't daydream anymore. I used. To, I, I mean, I do now. I, I would have, you know, little flights of fancy we daydreams. My my mind would wander. Um, whether that be through you know comedy and thinking of different things, or, or you know stuff to talk about, stuff to write about, or just having little daydreams, whether it be fantasies or you know, you know what I mean. Just just letting your mind wander. That never happened when I was on this medication. It would completely stop. That scared me because I thought that was shutting down a part of my brain that was the creative part. That that did scare me. But as I said, these are all things. You, these are all discussions you can have with your doctor, and you should be able to have your doctor. And don't be afraid to go to a doctor. Don't be afraid to use the NHS. Don't be afraid to to have these discussions. Sadly, depending on where you live, it may take a bit longer for you to get to be able to have that conversation. But don't be afraid to have it. But it's a, it's a horrible thing, man. And I, I just hope if anybody is listening to this and you are questioning your own mental health or you're concerned or you have read something, whether it be a symptom of mental health, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, whatever it may be, talk to someone. If you don't want to talk to your GP, talk to a friend. You know, look at stuff online. Listen to a podcast on mental health. The, the, the beauty of podcasting now is amazing. And it may just give you that little push that you need to go and speak to a professional. Don't be afraid of taking medication. You know, it's it's there for a reason. It's, it's there to help you. 
Um, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, and eventually, like Kenny's saying for himself and like I have done, you can come off it, but at the same time, you can stay on it. Um, there's no reason why you can't down your dose to to a, to a level, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 milligrams a day, whatever it is, something that just keeps you balanced. And that's it. It's just, it's about whatever you do, whatever decision you make, it's about keeping that, that wave of your mental health just balanced. You know, keeping the peaks as few as possible and keeping those troughs as few as possible and just keeping that balance. So, whatever you do, speak to someone, get the help you need, and um, you know, we'll all we'll all we'll all be in this together. But hey, listen, the planet's on fire. We're all gonna be dead in fifteen years. So get out there, eat red meat, drink fucking milk, be happy. What an odd end to the podcast. Oh. <laughs> uh, Kenny, thanks for your question, mate. I knew that was going to be a, a tough one, but uh, I wanted to, I wanted to ask anyone and discuss it. So thank you very much, mate, for uh, for sending that in. Right, send the Pope a letter. Look after yourselves. Look after your mental health, and uh, just love each other. You know what I mean. Thanks for listening to the episode. Please do share it on your socials. Help grow the podcast. Uh, get on the Patreon. Sign up. Five dollars, man. It's pennies, and uh, access the extra content. Uh, until then, stay safe, wash your hands and your asshole, and I'll see you in a battlefield soon. Onwards. <laughs> <laughs>